0: Well, hello everyone, wherever you're watching or listening around the world, we're so thankful you are here. And aren't we thankful that Jesus is alive? That he came to serve us, not to be served. As we get to think about that, as we're going into this fall season, we're all thinking about service. How much can we get the neighborhood kids hocked up on chocolate before they leave your yard? That's what it should be this year for Halloween. Stop giving staplers, and toothbrushes. Kids don't want that. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. They're looking for the goods this year. They already had to sacrifice last year. Yes, you have a pastor leading off that way. As we start off with, a new, with our series, not really new, we're kind of continuing in. Last week we talked about what the Bible says about stewarding children. And what we're going to be walking through in this series is what does the Bible say about? Because whether you've been following Jesus for two weeks two months, two years, 20 years, are you kicking the tires of who Jesus is? You probably have questions about him, have questions about the church, have questions about the Bible, have questions that that we love to unpack. And to be honest with you, sometimes we'll say, this is what the Bible says about it, and that's all we can give you. We don't stand up here and act like we have it all together. If you think I have all the answers, you definitely need prayer today. But wherever you are, I want to let you know we take this pause in this time in our church uh, just to address the questions you have. So If you have those, for our sowers that are here, there's a link. Make sure you click on that. For everyone that's watching online, shoot us a message. Maybe you have some questions about the church, questions about the Bible, or questions about Jesus, and we are excited to answer those with you. So here's why we're doing this. Uh, We're going to be spending some time seeing what the Bible says about things, specifically today about my enemy, my enemy, my enemy. This is one that that can be really hard for us. Uh, Many of us have enemies, perceived, non-perceived, and we're going to learn what Jesus says about that, and we're going to be in a space and a place that we were a couple weeks ago. We're going to be in Matthew 5. We ended up our Peaks and Valleys series there, and it is the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason we're at the Sermon on the Mount is the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most preached or taught about teachings of Jesus. Yet it is the hardest one to follow. It is the hardest one to follow. What Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mountain, what we're going to see today, especially in our perception of our enemy, is Jesus takes our natural shape, takes what we want to do when an enemy comes, and he reforms us a new way to his way and shows us how we are supposed to react and act towards our enemy so much so that it's a hard teaching to take that disciples walked away from jesus after he gave the sermon on the mount not the 12 that were there but because they said his teaching was too hard so here's what i want to say it's going to hit us a little bit today if jesus confronts us a little bit today don't be offended by it lean in and let's see what he wants to do with it so if you're with me give me an amen why is everyone throwing stuff at I'm not your enemy. I'm just kidding. I hear the amen. Let's do it. Get in your Bible to Matthew 5. We're going to be in 38 through 48. If you don't have a Bible, we have one free for the asking over in the garden. I say it every week because I mean it and I love it. Our Vine production team is absolutely incredible. Wherever you're watching around the world throughout the week today, they're going to make sure the scripture is on the screen for you. But you, like many, can also follow along with us digitally from our Vine church app. Go to the vine.tv slash app. It's going to ask you for your telephone number. It's going to send you a link. Inside of that app, you're going to see a tab that says notes. It's going to show all the scripture, a place where you can take sermon notes. It's also got a Bible inside that app. It's got information about our church, but also... Most importantly, it's got a place for you to connect with us. If we can pray for you or specifically serve you in any way. So here we go. Matthew 5, Jesus comes in. He's got some some people standing there. They're trying to tell him that he isn't who he says he is and they're pressing back on him and they're going to go through the natural way to react when it comes to my enemy. So Matthew 5, starting in verse 38 and 39, it says this. Jesus says this. You have heard it was said eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Now imagine that on Halloween. The kid gives you an eye, you give them their eye, they give you a tooth, you give No. no. Right. Tooth different. Right. So he says eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Verse 39, he says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them and give them the other cheek also. Oh, gut punch. Gut punch. We're going to talk more about this later, but We love revenge, right? Don't act like you don't. Don't act like you came into church all proper today. All of us, if Braveheart's on, we're going to watch it. If Patriot's on, we love Taken. We love Die Hard. There's Christmas in there. It counts as a Christmas movie if you want it to. Like, we love revenge. We love seeing vengeance lived out. There's something about us in the action scene. We love doing that so much. So I'll put all my cards on the table. Outside the Gospel of John, my favorite book in the Bible is Joshua. Why? Because they're slaying people in there. Like, he's going into the promised land, like, just conquering. Like, there's something inside of us that wants vengeance, but Jesus says, there's a better way. See, verse 38, what Jesus is referencing is Exodus 21. If you go back and look, it's actually a limiting law. What we would call a limiting law. And what it means by that is Jesus said, eye for an eye, and tooth, it says eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. What was happening is when God's people came out of Egypt. And even when the Pharisees right now in this time, they came out, what would happen is if someone shamed you or spoke bad about you, instead of confronting you, they would try to destroy you and everyone you've been in contact with. I'm so glad our culture does not do that today in any way, shape or form, does it? See, you think cancel culture is new. It's been going on for thousands of years. It is here in the Bible. The Pharisees, when Jesus is speaking this, they would avoid the court, pay their own people to go destroy people that didn't believe what they believed, voted like how they voted, or looked the way they looked. And so Jesus is saying, hey, instead of the wild, wild west happening, the reason Moses came down with this law and God gave you this law, eye for an eye, is you would go if your neighbor stole $10 from you, you would put him in jail for 1000 And that's not the way in the kingdom of God. And so he pushes back and says, we can't be this way. I'm not giving you a new law. I'm telling you how to react. And he says, when they slap you on the right cheek give them your left. Now, this is why this is important. So think, if I had something up here, it'd be funny, but it's okay. Somebody just comes and slaps me. But think about this. Your right cheek, your right hand was your strong hand. So if someone slapped you on the right cheek, they backhanded you. How does a backhand make you feel? See, in that time, the backhand was a sign of shame. It meant they shamed you. Like, don't lie, like, where I go to is I think of Bugs Bunny pulling off the glove and, like, splat, splat, like slapping, right? The backhand is a shameful slap. Jesus is saying, when this person comes against you and your enemy comes against you and they try to shame you, you give them the other cheek because in me you have no shame. Red, yellow, black, and white, we are precious in God's sight. We are all made in his image. And in me, they don't have authority over you. So how in the world can they shame you? Think of the woman at the well. He says, has anyone condemned you? No. Then go, live your life of sin no more. So when our enemy comes up and gives us the worst backhand in the world, as hard as it is, we give that left cheek to say, You don't have authority over me jesus does and you can't shame me because jesus bore my shame on the cross amen so let's keep rolling let's see what else jesus has to say verse 40 to 42 i told you it's gonna press a little bit today but i know jesus has got something for us 40 and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Completely radical. We don't think about this right now. It's a cold day. But back, back in the day, back in my day, we went uphill both ways. Back in the day, Jewish men wore two garments. An inner garment and an outer garment. It's translated here as a shirt and a coat. So Jesus said, if somebody's suing you for your shirt, give them your coat also, which leaves you what? We ain't going to be running around naked in this house right now, y'all, but I'm telling you, Jesus is saying this to say, look back to the garden. When were Adam and Eve shamed in their nakedness? When sin entered in. Jesus is saying, when somebody tries to sue you, you are fully known in me. It doesn't matter what you look like in this world. You are fully known in me. They don't have authority over you. So when your enemy comes against you, give them the treasures you have on this earth. Because who cares? Your treasure is in earth. It's in heaven. It's in him. So give it to them. So much so, he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Roman law at the time said a Roman soldier could throw their equipment on you and make you carry it for a mile. But it was illegal for them to make you carry it over a mile. So Jesus is saying when someone, your enemy, throws a burden on you to carry, don't just carry it one mile. Carry it two. Show them you're serving a higher purpose. Show them that they don't have authority over you, that you are his. Go and point to him in it. And in that hard. Two miles. I couldn't walk to Anyway, but two miles, like two miles right now, two miles. He says, go two miles. So much so, when someone asks you for something, do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. That's why he sums that up is to say, hey, don't store for yourself treasures here, which is your cloak, your shirt. Don't store that up. And even carrying what they have, don't, don't worry about the treasures of here. Give it to them because it's going to fade. But I never will. Jesus is showing he never will. So he says, when they ask for it, give it. Tough stuff, right? We're going to keep going. Verse 43 and 44. I promise there's going to be some fun in this somewhere. Uh, There is. Jesus is showing. I told you, it's tough teaching, but we can live in it. We can walk in it. Verse 43. He goes to the next law. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you man. Gut punch 17. So they've done slapped you. They done left you naked. They done made you carry their crap. They done ask you for money after all of it knowing you ain't got no pockets. And he says pray for them. That's hard. Like think about how hard that is. That is so hard. Like I know I'm joking and laughing but it's a hard thing to do. Like what how counter like, how against the grain is this? Because everything in us is just like, like, I have skills, special skills. <laughs> I will find you. Like, I will get my quarterback. Like, you know, like, everything in us, our natural wiring to justice just wants to fight back. And Jesus says, nope. Love them and pray for them. Remember, Jesus says the law is fulfilled in two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus fulfilled the law. In him, we live out the law and love God, love others. And so he is saying, even when your enemy comes against you, pray for him. Pray for him. In other words, not just your enemy, what I love that Jesus says is your neighbor. How close is your neighbor to you, even in these times? Relatively close, right? Jesus is saying many times the enemy that you have are the people closest to you or your perceived enemy are the ones that are literally the closest to you that you would think are your enemies. And we are to love them enough with his agape love, unconditional love, that even when they press against us and persecute us, we pray for them. Good prayer, not like praying for their destruction. Don't get all caught up in that and think that that's what he's saying. You pray for them. See, before we go on in 45 through 47, this is why we do what we do, because here's the thing. No matter how much the world is at enmity or seems to be an enemy of the church, we refuse to settle for people dying, going to hell every day because we're arguing about where a property line is, if you know, you know. Like, we refuse that. We refuse to let people die and go to hell because somebody wants to cancel me online. Who cares? We refuse to let people die without knowing the hope of Jesus each and every moment and second of the day. It's why we do what we do. So that's why I love where we are as the church. It doesn't matter about the enemies. We have a circle that's big enough for everyone because Jesus has called us to love as he loves, even those who want to shut us down. And I said this a few weeks ago, but I'm going to be real with you. We have been spoiled in Christendom like I don't know, many of us remember praying the Lord's Prayer every day at school. Obviously, that doesn't happen. We remember all of these things. And for the first time, the church, even here in America, is experiencing a secular, is experiencing the world like coming in and like persecuting. And we don't know what to do with it. But I'll look at this and Jesus is like, hey, this is normal. <laughs> this was always happening. Be happy that the Pharisees were going wild and crazy over here, killing everything and everyone just because you talked about the the, the spices they tithed this past week and that they weren't good enough. You know, the cancel culture there, but look at what came and was born out of it. But it starts with your heart and not going to your natural tendency. So why in the world is Jesus teaching us this? Why in the world is he doing it? Verse 45 to 47 says this, that you may become children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil, and on the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Jesus is saying we are called to do something we wouldn't naturally do, get out of our comfort zone. The reason we do this The reason that we react differently with our enemies is so that we can be made children of God. But Jesus is pressing in on something to the Pharisees right now that he may even be pressing in to us on right now. What he's doing is he's going against the people they hate the most. If you just say hello to people who you love, in other words, people who vote like you, look like you, talk like you, walk, maybe walk like you, I don't know, Uh, whatever, they're the same as you, what good is that? See, the Jews didn't like the Sadducees. The the Pharisees didn't like the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't like the Pharisees. And neither one of them liked the Samaritans. So he's saying, if you only greet each other, what good is that? So much so, he goes on to the next people that they hated. Aren't you glad they're not hated anymore? The tax collectors. Man, don't they get bad names all the way through? This is why the tax collectors were bad in this time. And tell me that it hasn't changed. Don't shut us down wherever you are. Uh, Hasn't changed. So tax collectors in Jesus' time were Jewish, Jewish men who worked for the Roman government and what they would do is the Roman government would say hey you owe $20 in taxes and the tax collector would come along and say you owe 25 and they would pad their pocket with a five and pay Rome the 20 but here's the thing if you didn't pay they could throw you in jail and so tax collectors were hated they were seen as scum now think back to Jesus with the tax collectors think back to Zacchaeus paying back tenfold paying back everything and more when he met Jesus. How much, how much more rewarding is that? So the Pharisees hate the tax collectors. So he's saying, hey, even those you hate, even those you have disdain for, you are called to love. And last but not least, the pagans or the Gentiles, the people who they thought would never be associated with the people of God, you were called to love them. So why am I bringing all this up when it says, what does the Bible say about my enemy? It's really, you already know the answer to this, but it's really hard teaching. It's really tough to to just absorb and live out. But what does the Bible say about my enemy? And the answer is this, forgive. Forgive. See, love is part of that. Love will bring you to forgiveness, but but, but forgive. That, That is the hardest thing to do forgive so hard Cause we don't want to. I told you we don't. We don't want to. Like we want to be. We want to be screaming freedom, like Gibson there, like at the end of Braveheart. Like we just want to go and just just slay people. Like come on, we love Tombstone. I'm your Huckleberry. When Kurt Russell comes as Wyatt Earp and he goes to Ike Clanton, he says, "You tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me." Like you're ready. You're fired up. Like you want to go do that. There's something in our heart, and Jesus is tapping into that, and He is saying, instead of taking the vengeance. You give forgiveness because justice is wired in your heart. You yearn from it. From the garden, we have wanted justice, but when sin entered in, it distorted and made a different side of justice that we think we have to take it into our own hands. And my friends, we can't. We can't. It's not possible. And so hear me out. When I say forgive, this is what I want to say. And I'm going to say it with a caveat. I'm just going to be real, but honest, 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 honest. When I say we are having this thing where we have to forgive our enemies, I don't mean we sit back and don't take a stand when we need to. Jesus said we plead the cause of the orphans, the widows, we visit the prisoners, we go out to the highways, the hollers, the hills, and the byways, and we bring people into his house to the banquet table so that they can meet him period back in medieval times people believed in this and they taught this wrong so much so that lice would be in people's house and Lice were enemies and they wouldn't do anything about it because they weren't they were supposed to forgive their enemy Now i'm gonna tell y'all right now. There's some lice in this house. We getting some nicks We gonna make some things happen. I don't care what's happening. Don't make a lick of difference to me Jesus is gonna be fine with that Forgive We stand up when we need to Forgive also doesn't mean we stay in abuse Jesus did not die for you to be in an abusive situation. He didn't. He died for you to be free. In other words, wherever you are in every relationship you're in, are you being God's best? Are they being God's best? And are you God's best together? If not, then what are we doing? Period. That's not just marriage. That's friendships. That's everything. And that means that, yes, even those who don't know Jesus yet, we are still being God's best to them. We do not throw them to the side. We welcome them in. But abuse is not what Jesus died for us to be in. Don't confuse that with persecution, though. He said, pray for those who persecute you. Persecution has abuse, but persecution means there's some, somebody has exerted a, like a huge power over a people, and they are having to be hurt, abused, persecuted even to death. Abuse usually involves an abuser and the abused. Jesus didn't die for us to stay in abuse. That's why he set us free from sin. Because sin will only abuse us. Will make us be chained, guilty, beat up, busted, and broken. He didn't die for us to stay in that shape. And so when I say forgive, if you're in abuse, let's get you to the right place. And it starts with being with Jesus. So, this is where I'm going. The justice in our soul. This wiring for justice we, we have this. We, we want justice. And that's why we love these action packed movies and these, these things that happen. And so, what is Jesus teaching us in this moment when it comes to justice, when it comes to my enemy and forgiveness? Well, we've we got to look behind the spirit of this law that he's talking about. He says two things. In verse 38, he says, You've heard it say, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He goes on and says, In 43, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. What is he saying? What's the the spirit behind what he's saying? What's the spirit behind the law? Because he's fulfilled the law. We've got to look at that. Jesus is saying this. We can waste our whole life trying to defend ourselves to our enemy, trying to prove that we're right and they're wrong, and it'll lead to nothing but decay, ruin, and death. Period. In other words, Jesus is saying, like I said, we have this Understand, we, we stand up, we plead the cause of the orphans and the widows, but here's the thing, here's the thing. If we worry so much about our reputation on this earth being preserved that we forget where he's called us to eternally, we're missing it. When we fight our defense to defend ourselves in our name, it means we've got something to lose here. Jesus is saying, rest in me as your defense. And that's tough. That's hard that's so hard, isn't it? Because we want to. Man, we want to fight. Like, we got reputation defender. I I just did an ad. I didn't mean to. Don't kick us off. But like, we got these things. We want our reputation fit. Why is Jesus saying this? Because remember, we've been shamed. We've been left naked. People want money from us on top of it. They're persecuting us. Their dogs keep pooping in our yard. Like, still, they won't leave us alone. Our neighbor, like, why are we supposed to love them and pray for them? This doesn't make sense. Why do I have to forgive them? Well, isn't that what Jesus did for us? Think about it. He overcome everything. He overcame death, the thing we fear the most. If he's overcome that, pretty sure nothing in this world is going to overtake us if we're in him. So I'm pretty sure him as our defender can defend us better than we could possibly do it. So much so, let me ask you this. If you're with Jesus, think about this. If you have a relationship with Jesus, think back. If you've taken that step of baptism, what that looked like. We are, we are buried, we go under the water buried in likeness of his death. We come out of the water risen in likeness of his resurrection to walk in newness of life. So in other words, we have literally died to ourselves to be in Jesus, raised up to be new, to walk in newness of life, which is his way, forgiveness when it comes to our enemy. So my friends, if we spend all of our time trying to tell everyone who disagrees with us how wrong they are and how right we are, we aren't dead to self. We aren't dead to self. We aren't. Jesus didn't die for us to fight for that. He hung naked on a blood-stained cross, rose again, so that we don't have to carry that weight. So when we walk in forgiveness, it sets us free, maybe not the person who hurt us, and that's okay, because Jesus wants us to be in relationship with him, to walk in that freedom. So die to yourself, die to having vengeance yourself, and trust him. So the spirit behind the law is that. And what that means literally is our treasure isn't in this world. Nothing in this world can overtake us, even our enemy, because Jesus has defeated it. Everything this world can throw at us, even death, he is defeated And if we know that, then we can rest in that. So how do we get into a place to live this out then with forgiveness? How in the world can our heart be settled? How in the world can we get to a place of forgiveness when it comes to my enemy? And I'm telling you, this is the hardest part because for us, I don't know what they did to you. I can't tell you how unimaginable it is. I can't even tell you maybe what it feels like, but I tell you what, if I share my story and you share yours, I promise you our pain is the same. And that's the beauty of it. So how do we live this out? One way, our hope in Jesus. Our hope that God will do what he said he will do. Our hope that when he said in Deuteronomy thirty-two thirty-five, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Our hope that at the end of the book, we know that God will take every evil thing and make it right. He will destroy every evil. He will have his vengeance even if we don't see it now. And the difference is, if we care more about his vengeance against that person and don't see how he poured out his vengeance on Christ and the wrath of our sin for us, we're missing it. Because when we do, we will be able to walk in forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness for our enemy. It doesn't mean that we have to be peachy, roses keen, and in proximity and close to everyone sometimes forgiveness means i got to be in an arm distance length with my enemy but it still doesn't mean that they're not sitting across the table with me forgiveness so the only way we have that hope is if god is who he says he is so through that that's the hardest thing with our enemy forgive forgive so right now, honestly, I don't know where the Holy Spirit's moving in you. The hardest thing is, all of us have an enemy of some sort. We do. Uh, we, we do. Sometimes it's a weed allergy. It's gluten. Sometimes it's sugar. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's a coworker. Sometimes it's a neighbor. Sometimes it's a family member. We, we, we have someone we're at odds with. And here's the thing I want to tell you. Jesus tells us if we are at odds with someone, he doesn't even want our sacrifice or our offering because our heart isn't in the right place. That's how important it is to forgive our enemy. So if the Holy Spirit's pressing on you today for that person, pray about it. See if he'll open the opportunity for you to do it. See if that person, maybe you reach out to him, maybe you write him a letter, maybe you can't talk to them, maybe you just can't be in this space and place. You write them a letter where forgiveness happens and this is why. Today's a new day. We have this opportunity to walk in reconciliation. You never know when that opportunity is going to be gone. And the only person that's going to be hurt if they don't take advantage of the opportunity is you, not the person who hurt you. I'm telling you, real life experience. You, you will be the one that's hurt. Doesn't mean that, that, that you got to get together and everything's going to work out and it's going to be peachy keen. You're going to win the lottery and you're going to travel the world. No, 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 no. It just means you can walk in freedom because Jesus has forgiven you. And the way that you respond to your enemy will point to him more than anything you could ever do to them to hurt them. So today, if that's you, would you do that? Because here's the thing. Reconciliation, once that happens, there's a renewal that takes place. Because in reconciliation, the Holy Spirit is unleashed and the Holy Spirit in us is forming us and shaping us to be made in the image of what, as Romans 8 says, in the image of Christ. And so as we are doing that and that forgiveness is multiplied, the Holy Spirit work is multiplied exponentially and all of a sudden a renewal happens. Where we are right now in the world we live in, how much more great would it be if forgiveness is what we are marked by more than how right we are. Imagine, imagine the heart's awakening to Jesus with that. And so what does that lead us to? Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The only way we can be perfect is if we're walking in forgiveness towards our enemies. Forgiveness is so important for us. Jesus says the measure, basically the measure in which we're forgiven is how, or that we forgive is how we will be forgiven. Like we're held to account for that. Like that's something that's important. And the reason that we forgive is because Christ first forgave. See, when I say be perfect, therefore like your heavenly father is perfect, here's the thing, we'll never achieve that on this side of eternity. We're being shaped in that. The only way we achieve that is because when God looks at us, he sees his perfect son right now. But in the process, he's shaping and molding us. And that means that we're walking through this, like, this hard thing that, that pushes back. I know this is a tough thing. Like, it really, really, this is the hardest teaching, one, like, the most controversial hardest teachings of Jesus. Like, hard thing to do is to love our enemy. But as we forgive, our hearts will be open. And their hearts will be open, and we'll see the Heavenly Father move like never before. But I'll be honest with you. I can tell you the reason why most of us don't want to do this. And it's a question that always comes up. I don't know if we'll answer it in this one, we seem to answer it every time, but I know why many of us don't want to forgive. We love putting God on trial for the evil of the world, don't we? If God exists, how can evil exist? Augustine flips that on for us and asks this, if you can put God on trial for the evil of the world, why can't you for the good? Is there some good in this world today? Did that sun come up? Is his mercies new every morning? Is, it, is, is his grace and mercy shown upon us, immersing us? It, did his Son come and do what we couldn't do for ourselves and love us in spite of us? So if we can put God on trial for the evil in the world and the persecution and everything that happened to us, can we not trust him for the goodness that he's given? As we said a couple weeks ago, I'll go back to that why God box, but in the end, it's always going to be at his feet. It's always going to be laid at his feet because he's the only one that can carry it, not me. And so when it comes to forgiving your enemy today, when it comes to living that out, Are you going to keep putting God on trial for the evil? Are you going to trust him for the good that he is? C.S. Lewis ends it this way in Mere Christianity, and I'm paraphrasing, so I'm sorry here, but he goes and says, we can waste our whole life trying to find ourselves inside of ourselves only to find ruin and decay, which will lead to death. Or... We can spend our life searching for God, finding Him right where we are, and soaking up all the things that come with Him. In other words, we can spend our whole life trying to find ourselves and ruin ourselves and everyone in the process. Or we can look for God, find Christ, and in that have life and share it with the world. But the difference is, what are we willing to die to? He ends that, C.S. Lewis does by saying, God can't resurrect what we're not willing to die to. And if we're not willing to die to ourself, we can't have life. If we're not willing to die to that feud, we can't see God raise it up again. If we're not willing to die to walking in forgiveness instead of unforgiveness, how can God God raise it up? Because we're carrying it. We're standing outside with the shotgun shells going after the cowboys on our own and it's great for a movie picture but it's horrible for a life. Because once that's done, then what's next? You'll never find satisfaction. Never. But in Christ you will. So why in the world are we going through this? It's this a tough teaching. It's a hard teaching. What does it go to? Well, most of you today, when you came in, you received this. Now, I've shared these before. It was time for some new ones, but it was perfect. Most of you came in. If you're watching online, you may not be able to see this. But what is this pointing to? And it's the cross. It's the cross. I'm giving—this is a little keychain. You can have it as a reminder. We have a couple extra. We can get some more out here, too, as well. But it's something to remind you about forgiveness, you see, Jesus wasn't talking about, his, he wasn't talking about our enemy. He was talking about us. Look at verse, verse 38, 39. He says, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. He bore our shame on the cross. When they slapped, beat, mocked him, and said he was the king of the Jews, put a crown of thorns on his head, and they continued to beat him to a bloody pulp, he still stood in the gap for us. He bore our shame. He bore the shame of our sin, even when we are enemies with him. He literally, we don't like it. Grandma's got a different picture. He hung naked on a cross. He gave his cloak. He gave his shirt while they gambled for it at the foot of the cross. And he hung naked for us, carrying our shame, fully known, fully God. Holy man. He goes the extra mile. He not only lived the perfect sinless life we didn't live, he, he, we couldn't live. He died on the cross bearing that, that wrath of God, the penalty of sin in our life, death, rose again on the third day so the Holy Spirit could be inside of us, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead. He made connections with disciples on this earth, did an earthly ministry, but not only that, he goes the extra mile outside of the walls of Jerusalem up to Golgotha to the cross. He carries the cross the extra mile. He goes, he says, hey, if anyone asks for something, give it freely. If we die to ourselves, he freely gives us salvation. If we will just receive it, he gives it freely. He said, hey, if you just greet people who know you, what good is that? He steps down from heaven, being at one with God to put on human skin for us, to be made in our likeness, for us to have forgiveness, for us to be set free. And why does he do it? So that we can be children of God. Made in the image of the Father, being perfect as we were originally created to be in the garden before sin entered in. And so, church, why do we forgive our enemies? Romans 5, 8 reminds us. For God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, even when we were enemies, Christ still goes for us. He still forgives. As a matter of fact, he said, pray for those who persecute you. What is it that he prays for the cross? Father, do what? Forgive them, forgive. So if we're struggling in our own strength to forgive, you're not alone, because in our own strength, we can't. (laughs) But in his strength, we can. And so today, wherever you are, the reason we do what we do each and every week is so that some for the first time, some just need a reminder, would be awakened to who Jesus is. See, all of us, as I just said, we're at enemies with Christ because of sin. Something we could not fix on our own, something that we could not earn our way out of, work our way out of, give our way out of, serve our way out of. There's no way that we could be righteous enough to Get ourselves rid of sin. But God loved us so much that He made a way. You see, Jesus goes and lives this perfect, righteous, sinless life we couldn't live. And He didn't stop there. You see, the wages of that sin that we have is death. As an enemy, we deserve death. As an enemy with God, the wages of sin, we deserve death. We don't deserve anything else. But the wrath of God, that is death, nothing else. But Jesus loves us enough that He bears that for us on the cross he doesn't stop he still loves us enough to not stay dead he goes to the tomb defeats death hell and the grave anything this world can throw at us he has defeated and overcome and he rose again on the third day so that we could walk in life now we can walk heaven and earth now the kingdom of god now being formed and shaped into who he created us to be and that same spirit that raised him from the dead is a spirit that lives in us when we have received this free gift of salvation, he died to give us. So right now with every head bow and every eye closed, I just wanna ask you, are you in this space and place where you're trying to find yourself? Are you trying to avenge yourself? Are you trying to get your revenge? Are you just waiting for the right opportunity to get revenge? Are you seeing that someone's already bore that vengeance for you? And know that God holds you in his hand and we'll be defending you. And we'll make all the wrongs right. We'll make the injustices of the world right. And he has prepared a place for us. But we can't get there on our own outside of receiving the free gift of salvation by faith. So are you gonna keep searching for yourself only to find decay and ruin? Are you gonna search for God and realize he is right here with you in this moment, knocking on the door, Will you open it up? We're going to pray out loud as a family for the benefit of those who are coming to faith for the first time. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you; it's the faith that Jesus is who He says He is. So, with every head bow and every eye closed, please repeat this prayer after me: "Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner, separated from You. I believe You came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins." on the cross, but love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, whether you're watching online, listening throughout the week, wherever you are right now, I'm gonna ask you to respond boldly on the count of three by raising your hand if for the first time you have committed your life to Christ. One, two, three. If that's you, you'll see a hand that's up online. If you don't see a hand, let us know in the comments. If that's you and you're listening throughout the week, you can let us know. Connect with us through the app shoot us a comment or a message, reach out to us at at prayeratthevine.tv or 864-580-6698. We wanna celebrate this decision with you and walk with you through your next steps. And for the rest of us, I'm gonna pray. And we're about to worship and be reminded how God is molding us in Christ's image, in the image that he created us to be. And in that molding, he is setting up opportunity for reconciliation, for renewal, for each and every one of us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to go and even have a space for our enemies at our table. So Jesus, I pray in this moment as we are absorbing the next steps you're calling us to take, even as hard as it may be, Jesus, you never call us to something that you won't see through in us. So I pray in this moment that today, the sun would not go down on our anger, that today we would take this opportunity if we need to get right with you and or get right with someone that we take advantage of this opportunity today, Lord. Thank you that you first forgave us. Thank you that you have showed us what unconditional love is, that you have come for us in spite of us and still give us the opportunity to share your hope, the only hope, the answer with the entire world. So in this moment, as you are shaping and molding us, I just pray that we would live in full surrender knowing that what you are doing is to work it out for your glory and for our good. We love you, King Jesus. We thank you that you allow us to be here today. It's in your name we pray, amen.
1: Now stand and sing with us.
0: Well, we are so thankful you are here today. We got we brought the hard stuff this week. We'll bring some easy stuff next week. I'm just kidding. Jesus is going to teach us all. Of, we're going to have some fun. Hey, make sure you submit um, your question wherever you are right now. If you can, you can shoot us a message or, or, or whatnot. But make plans to be here next week. But also, then share this earlier, the 31st, Halloween. Uh, It's going to be great. We're going to celebrate our four-year anniversary. We would love to invite you to come hang out with us and make plans to let us know uh, if you're coming. Because, hey, we have an amazing Vine Kids ministry. We want to make sure that we teach Jesus on their level, and we make sure that each and every one leaves here better than how they walked in. Speaking of that, let this serve as a reminder this week of Christ's forgiveness for us. And if he can forgive us, we can forgive our enemies. If he can put up with me, y'all, he can put up with anybody. So I promise you, if his forgiveness is good enough for me, I know it is for you. And if it's good enough for us, it's good enough for our enemies. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you next week. Have an awesome week. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.